All right. Are we recording? Yes, we are. Okay. Welcome, everybody. This is the 400 North podcast, where four former roommates compare notes on life. I'm Drew Kapner. I'm here with Shadrach Biggs, James Wangler, and Grant Brasmussen. All right. So let's get into this. So James had, uh, I guess, kind of picked the topic for today's episode. So James, do you want to kind of set it up? Yeah, I I, I think that the fun part about this group is that we've all kind of ended up in weird, random fields, not necessarily what we planned. Um, And I think there's a lot of pressure on people in general to find like, oh, you're calling, you know, you're whatever you need to do in life to be happy, successful, whatever it may be. And so personally, you know, kind of start the conversation. I don't necessarily think there's one calling everyone, you know, needs to jump into. But I am very interested in reading. I'm reading through Tools of Titans right now, the, the Tim Ferriss book. Um, it's always very interesting to me to read how these people ended up in their chosen fields. And a lot of it just seemed to be, a lot of it was serendipity, like just kind of random encounters, random things. But I also think there's a there's an aspect to, to planning ahead and identifying a couple things that we can kind of talk about as to, you know, how do you find something you're good at that helps people that you can make money with? So actually, okay, so I'll be honest, I I was a little surprised to hear that answer. I should have expected it. (laughs) But when you when you first set this topic up, when we were texting back and forth, I thought you were coming in here with a hardcore, uh, do what you love, find your passion, kind of uh, stance. And I thought I was gonna, I think I think Everyone has multiple callings, man. I think, I don't know. Yeah. Interesting. But the other thing that kind of surprises me why you said that is I feel like almost from when I've known you, you've been on a pretty uh, set set path. I mean, this medical school thing that you're doing now, <laughs> um, I mean, at least career-wise, right? Yeah. Am well, I wrong? No. Not necessarily, you know, coming into college, I had some idea that I'd probably pursue medicine, but I ended up doing an MD-PhD, which is kind of a big shift for me, focused mostly on research or clinical medicine. And that came about just because I really loved working in the lab. And uh, I figured out I was was good at it. I enjoyed computational research and uh, I could help people out, but then I could also still do medicine. So now I'm doing MD-PhD and uh, you guys can follow up with me in eight years when I finally graduate. I have a calendar uh, notification for that. <laughs> calendar date, notification. So. Uh, when you're making an actual salary, you can uh, <laughs> let me know. Let me let me ask. Let me follow up on Drew's comment here. This is Shadrach, by the way, for all the the audio listeners. Um, I am just curious. I mean, I know where Drew kind of stands. Now that we know where James kind of stands, does any of us, and that means myself and Grant left over believe in the fact that we should pursue our passions and, you know, find our, our one love in our career or whatever. Does anyone feel that? I think you follow your passions, but one, I don't think there's just one. 
Right. I, I agree with that. I think um, follow it if you can. I think with the realities of life, like a lot of people can't pursue it full time, uh, whether it's because of, you know, their their background, economic background. You know, a lot of people can't just pursue a, a YouTube career, uh, you know, like they just monetarily can't um, or if traveling full time, like the travel bloggers, like if that's your passion, a lot of people can't do that, whether it's, you know, family reasons or health or whatever. But I think a lot of people can pursue passions uh, in hobbies. And it, I don't think it has to be a career uh, because it's, I don't know, there's a lot of things, a lot of hobbies of mine that I, I actually don't want as a career. Cause I think it would kind of ruin the, the fun in it. Hmm. Drew, what are your thoughts? Just like, what was your view overarching view? Well, yeah. So I, I think Grant brings up an interesting point there about, uh, the realities of life and such. And I, I feel like, the idea that you can just kind of unabashedly chase a passion or something that you pick is sort of a, a modern or postmodern idea. I mean, I think about it probably wasn't until at least maybe the post-World War II boom years that people could had sort of the the freedom to to do that kind of thing i mean before that it was pretty much survival i think and for a lot of people in other parts of the world i think that's still the reality of their lives um but i'll also play a little bit of devil's advocate i guess i i think while while you do have to be grounded in reality and there are practical considerations to what you choose to do with your time. Uh, I think as people, we, we can surprise ourselves with what we can do um, by dedicating ourselves to something and making a concerted effort over time at it. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's, a balance between uh, keeping all your plates spinning and, and finding those dreams and things and figuring out how to make them work. Um, I mean, I, yeah, I want to throw it back at Grant really quick, though, because. <laughs> I, OK, so so we all live together, right? And so we had these types of conversations. Uh, just in our living room back in those or days. Or at 2 a.m. when Grant would come into our room and shush us because he had a test the next morning. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So my question for Grant here is, why were you always springing stuff on us? I feel like, <laughs> like literally this guy, we thought he was becoming an accountant and then one day, like one of us discovers his law school admission on the kitchen table or something. No, no, we didn't. I told you guys. I told you. No, no, no. Straight up. He just one day was like, guys, I got into law school. 
yeah, I that's it. Looking up, I remember looking up the process, and it's like a month. It's like it's like months of preparation. Yeah, like he's just been like, cooking yeah. this. What's the I wanted to surprise that? you guys. <laughs> well, I was that your thought? Yeah, it was. I actually, um, I was keeping it under wraps. Uh, I guess not any, not for any good reason. I just thought it would be cool to surprise everyone. And be like, oh yeah, I just got into law school. Um, which worked. I guess it worked. If it didn't work, I mean, I probably would have been like, yeah, I did. Like I, I've been applying, didn't get in, but um, I don't know if I had like a really good reason why I didn't make it like public. But it, it was kind of a a big shift for me because I was doing my undergrad in accounting, um, and I kind of liked the research aspect of it. And I I think really the big reason was I didn't feel super challenged academically in my undergrad, and I was like, I don't want to finish college without like a challenge, um, and I didn't necessarily want to be an accountant um i think it's interesting but i don't know if i want to do that you know all day every day so that's why i think i shifted course and it was kind of the path of least resistance um, i could kind of delay really choosing what i wanted to do for three years uh i didn't have to become like a certified adult for three years um yeah, I don't know. I, I I wish I had like a, a better reason, but I felt drawn to it um, for the challenge, for the research, for kind of the a changed view of looking at the world. And I think that's kind of what I've gotten so far. And Grant, correct me if you're wrong, but you have, you have one year left, correct? Yeah, one year left and uh, then I'll be done. Then you do have to become a certified adult. Yeah. Because <laughs> right now you're you're doing a clerkship with the judge, correct? Um, an externship, externship. so just a, a summer uh, position. Okay, gotcha. okay, very cool. So did did you discuss it with anyone, or did you completely make this decision alone and just or did you talk about it with your family, or did you drop it on them too? Um, I, I talked to, talked with my parents about it. Um, I remember my mom saying. She thought, she was like, yeah, I was kind of surprised you wanted to do accounting, um, <laughs> so, which she didn't tell me, uh, you know, when I started, but I, I talked with my parents. And then I remember, I think I told Maddie, my, I think at the time we were just dating, um, I told her I got in and she was like, I knew you were like up to something, but I didn't know <laughs> what it was. So I, I dropped the ball on her too, but I, I had discussed it with a few family members, but that's about it. So interesting. Yeah. So are you totally off the accounting track now? Yeah, pretty much. Um, I think, I think whatever I do, uh, like I'll use those skills. Um, and I, I do have plans to like give back in ways. I don't know. Like I, I can, I see my mom, she's also an accountant. And she like volunteers for like the PTSA, like the parent teacher student associations. And, and she does like their accounting for free. Um, oh, that's stuff that I envision doing in the future, like just helping smaller organizations with their finances. 
uh, or even legal things. Didn't you get into the program as a JD Mac, correct? As in a master's of accounting and the JD degree. So you have a master's of accounting or you will in a year. Right. Yes. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah, so lots of lots of options, but not sure where I want to go. Sorry to keep like pounding on this grant, but I'm interested. Wh- why did you decide on accounting in the first place? That's a good question. I think it was because I was really good at it. Um, I took I took like a wide range of classes my freshman year, and accounting 200 is like the intro accounting class and I like killed it. Like I, I think I almost got like a hundred percent in the class and it was something interesting to me. It's what my parents, both my parents um, did. And so I was like, well, I guess it's in my blood. Um, And I thought if I'm good at it and if I kind of like it, it, it'd probably be a good career. So so, so is, I mean, is the moral of the story that maybe that's not a great heuristic for choosing what you do? I don't know yet. I don't know. I, I think maybe ask me in a few years. Um, <laughs> because I think you kind of do have to find a balance of like, you have to go for something that you, you like. You have to go for something you're good at or you could become good at. Um, I'm not sure. I think it's really up to up to the individual. I don't know. I wish I think there I think everyone wishes there was a standard formula, but I don't think there is. But I think there are principles of like yeah, you should kind of have a healthy dose of reality. Like I think a lot of people in education kind of forget that. Um like I know a lot of uh, people who take out a lot of debt um, for for degrees that don't really have jobs lined up with it. And then they kind of get trapped, uh, which is really sad. But I think it's, I think sometimes we forget. Uh, like, yeah, we kind of need to have reality in mind when we make decisions. So Shadrach, you had a hard course correction kind of like this. Was that, I guess... Was that a consideration of what you were good at, what you enjoyed? What was the, what was the? Yeah, so I think it was, that was when I, so when, before I, okay, I guess giving context. Um, first couple of years of college, I was studying anthropology, uh, really focused on sociocultural um, side of things, really studying living cultures um, and people in exotic locations. And so that was something I was uh, really interested in. And then I made a hard course correction into the business world, into into studying marketing. Uh, and now I'm working in sales, so it's not even related to that either. But um, it's it happened because I think I was caught up in the dream. Uh, and, and I think this is where we, we mix passion um, too often, where I think that a lot of people see passion just as something that is almost like a, a fairy tale ending, you know, of like, <clears throat> my passion is this and I'm going to get into it and it's going to be all sunshine and daisies and it's going to be fantastic. And all they see is the 
upside all they see is the good things without and that's kind of what i saw in anthropology was like how yeah, i love learning about people i love talking to people um and i want to go to foreign countries and crazy exotic places with people and learn about their culture their heritage their language like all this stuff and just live in that um and it was almost like i was completely forgetting the fact that okay, well, I, I also have other values in life. Like I also want to be a family man. I want to be at home. I want to be, you know, I want to have kids and provide a, a decent life for them. And that's all subjective, of course, or objective, of course, because I mean, a decent life is different for everybody. But the, the path that I was on with anthropology just seemed like, okay, well, I'm going to have to go to get a master's degree and then a PhD. And during that time, I'm gonna have to take a hiatus into some crazy country that doesn't have, you know, the necessities of life that my family would be used to. And I put them into a hard position. And um, <clears throat> if they came or if I went alone, then it would be years of being separated from my family without a lot of contact. And so it was just like, that didn't seem too appealing to me um even though like the dream and like the fantasy of like living in this crazy culture would have been incredible um and then even after that it was uh i'd have to become a professor and although tenured professors you know make decent money uh in today's world i saw the struggle of getting into professorship um, from several of my visiting teachers or my adjunct professors who were literally just battling tooth and nail for um, a spot, you know, <laughs> at the university. And it's, it's, it's crazy how difficult they, they tried to do all of that. And it's the same thing, like Grant mentioned, like, there's crazy amount of money involved in this, like, um, it's not just, hey, fly to another country and live there for two years and make a living. It's take out a huge grant or loan or something to get over there, spend tens of thousands of dollars to buy all this equipment and live and breathe and, you know, record. And then I'd have to come home and digest all of that and basically write this super long thesis and research guide and whatever and publish it and no one will read it. And so it was like, I was caught up in this fantasy of, you know, living with an exotic culture and being one of the only human beings who, you know, was a part of that outside of the culture. Um, and that's the fantasy that I was caught up in. And the passion that I was caught up in was, you know, being in that kind of environment where I just completely was sidestepping the reality of the whole situation. So I did make a hard shift to marketing and business because um, it actually it aligned more perfectly with the rest of my goals in life. And it still allowed me to somewhat capture the passion, quote unquote, of learning about people, how they behave, how they, um, you know, react to business propaganda, how, how businesses learn about individuals to better sell to them. And it, it, it just intrigued me. It intrigued that side of me as well, but it allowed me to pursue other, you know, avenues of life that 
were really important to me. So that was an incredibly long-winded answer to your question, but that that was the thought process. Sorry if I just went on a tangent. <clears throat> no, I think that was good. I, I do think it's funny because I remember the first ever conversation I had with you, or like real conversation, right? Um, was the first Sunday night we were all sitting around. It was just me and you because Grant and Drew weren't there yet in the apartment. Mm-hmm. And you made me watch um, Mong, I guess, yeah, for context, Shadrach speaks Mong, which is a very obscure language. Um, how many speakers in the United States, Shadrach? Uh, non-native speakers? Uh, uh, no, like overall just speakers of Hmong who live in the United States. Well, I guess just worldwide. Yeah, oh, worldwide there's like 5 million out of 7 billion yeah so, so but four and a half million of those live in china right the rest are, yeah but anyway the first real conversation we had was we watched these mong horror films of like these this evil red demon and chadwick was explaining to me like the sociocultural implications of this this red demon i just remember thinking like man this dude is really into some weird stuff <laughs> <laughs> yeah like a whole collection of, of these of these these mong horror films and looking back on it i can i can see it from what it was as you know a you know a window into another culture but i remember that time being like wow like man this I guy's like, a weirdo yeah i was yeah. like i'm kind of glad yeah. he's not my bunk mate like he's in the other room like i'm not worried about you know <laughs> <laughs> that's funny but i uh, i think in right now our conversation is like we have to be realistic um kind of identify like the realities of life like that's kind of been the the topic but i think james you have kind of a different perspective because well maybe you don't i don't know maybe i've just seen you kind of follow your path um and you're kind of at where your plan was taking you and i looked it up at one point and i think only like two percent of applicants or like something crazy low like that like two to four percent of applicants end up in md phd program so you're kind of one of the uh you kind of worked your way to win the lottery i guess is that uh right? yeah so so i guess a quick backstory um Shadrach, if you have to leave dude yeah thank you so much for uh thanks guys for chatting with us um and you know i i promise i think the fact you speak mong now is super dope I think it's super cool. <laughs> just You're just saving face now. I am. No, honestly, it, it's incredible. I wish I spoke in more useful language. Um, I speak Spanish. What? Like, what? You wish more, you spoke something more useful language? than Spanish in America? Not, not, sorry, I didn't mean useful. I meant cool. I, I, I wish I spoke a cooler language. Than this Spanish. guy. Um. Anyway, back to my conversation. I know controversial, right? Um. Sorry, what I was saying was um. I, MD, I didn't know MD-PhD programs existed when I, when I started. Um, it was just, and my, my undergrad major was in bioinformatics, which is a very uh, usually research-focused field. Um, and so I'd kind of come into the idea of, oh, I, I really enjoy medicine. I've had some really great interactions with doctors over the years. I got hurt plenty of times and, you know, enjoyed my interactions with these doctors who are very knowledgeable you could, you know, fix my body with medicine and operations and things like that. Um, and I, and I, but then I, I started really enjoying the research side of it and it was like, Oh, 
gosh, like I wish I could do both. Like, man, I wish I could do an MD and a PhD. That would be so cool. And then I remember online or something, I was like, oh, MD, PhD programs. I'm like, oh, awesome. And I immediately assumed that they'd be easier to get into because I was like, oh, like who wants to do that? Um, only to realize that they're like insanely competitive. Um, at my orientation yesterday, you know, I met the three other or four of the people in my class. There's only five of us, you know, that ended up at Texas A&M for this program. Um, and uh, I think identifying that early on, you know, I think end of freshman year, I was like, okay, like MD, PhD, like that's what I want to do. That gave me the time to, once I committed to that, I think that's really important, right? Is once you identify something you want to do, you know, and you've, we've talked, you know, we, you've analyzed what we've talked about, being realistic, giving you the life you want to live, you know, are you good at it? Do you enjoy it? Can you do this for the rest of your life? Can it help people? I think that's an important thing to consider as well. Um, committing to that. Say, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And if I need a course correction later, that'll be fine. But as for right now, this is what I'm going to do and work on. And I think that gave me the best chance of when I applied. So I applied at the end of undergrad, um, which again was very unique. All other people I applied with had been out of undergrad for one or two years and been doing full-time research. Um, so I was kind of applying with less research, less life experience than a lot of these other applicants. Um, but because I committed since freshman year to forming a good MD PhD application, uh, I was successful. Um, ended up getting into two programs and, and choosing you guys were with me when Texas called me, which was kind of fun. Um, but, uh, and I just think that once you've figured out something you want to do, you know, it's important to kind of go all in on it. And then if you have to switch direction, then you can do that. But to kind of, you know, half put the effort into doing something, I think will not ever yield what you're looking for. You know, if you decide to only, you know, if I was like, oh, like I probably want to do MDPHE programs, you know, I, I wouldn't have gotten in just because I needed that commitment to really push me to get the extracurriculars to study for the MCAT, which is the world's worst test, like all this stuff. Um, I guess that was my, that was my thought process when I decided to really commit to that. All right. I got to put some commentary over the top of what James just said there. So first off, yeah, we were with you when Texas A&M called you and for some background, so my perspective, I, I feel, and you probably don't feel this way. It's probably not like this, but I, I feel like I was one of the people that pushed James on this much harder path of the MD PhD thing. Cause, <laughs> because we had, we had lots of con conversations about contribution and how different directions could do that and i think because of some of those conversations maybe james picked this harder path that has maybe a higher potential for a big contribution um which is so awesome but so james went and applied to all these programs and they were not getting back to him and i was checking in pretty <laughs> frequently and towards the end of the period i was literally checking in like a couple times a week because i was getting so nervous and I never, I never told you this, James, that I was like, oh my gosh, I will feel horrible if he doesn't go to medical school just because like, like I had some small part in convincing him to do this way harder thing. <laughs> so 
I just had such a sense of relief as a friend when uh, when that call came through. <laughs> but uh, honestly, well, so what did it feel like for you? Was it a similar sense of relief, or like did you know that you were going to do it somehow? Or I so as context, if you're applying to MD PhD programs, you apply in June. So I applied. So right now it's what? It's June 11th, 2022, correct? So I applied June 2021 um, is when all my applications went to these schools. And then you spend all summer basically writing more essays and more essays and more essays. And it's a very terrible long process that is not very kind or fair to applicants, in my opinion. That's, that's, that's a whole other episode, though. <laughs> um, and then... Typically, the traditional timeline, quote unquote, is you'll start getting interviews around September, October, August. Um, and then typically in February is when the bulk of applicants are admitted for classes to start because orientation starts end of June for MDPhD programs because you do, you do research rotations before you actually start med school. So my research rotation starts Monday and med school classes start July 18th, I think. Um, but like Drew said, I, my first acceptance, uh, one school had gotten back to me in February and said, we'll probably accept you, which was a fun answer. Like, like it's more likely than not, but not quite yet. I was like, man, okay, that's okay. <laughs> but then, yeah, so Texas A&M called me and we were sitting around playing a board game in my basement. And I saw a missed call from Texas. It's a Texas number. And I was like, oh, man, it's probably spam call because I've been getting Spanish spam calls recently from Texas. Um, and my wife, Amanda, says, well, like, wouldn't it be crazy if it was A&M? I was like, oh, yeah, maybe I checked the voicemail and, and you know how iPhones kind of like write out the voicemail. Um, it was like, you know, and it's not it's not super accurate yet. It's like, hi, like, hi, Jam. This is Dr. Blah, blah, blah from A&N University. Like we are interest in giving you spot. <laughs> I remember like reading this kind of like simplistic rendition of the message and like, oh my goodness. I think I just turned to you guys and I was like, wait, guys, I think I might have just gotten into med school. And then I was like, should I call him back? And I was like, yeah, call him back right now. What are you doing? And so I called him back and got the spot. And I think I, I have I have been like, I don't know. I, I think it takes a lot to really like stress me out or worry me. I'd, I'd felt that I'd done the best I could. And that point is literally just a waiting game, you know? So I wouldn't say I was like a, it was a really good sense of closure and like, okay, you know, this is going to work out. I don't have to go to a backup plan. Like this is going to work out. Um, and I was just really grateful that I got into a great school and that, uh, and then of course that was April. Sorry, I should clarify. Yeah, I was April. So much later than the original thing. So I had about a month and a half to, pack up and move my family which at that point included a little newborn to uh texas college station well that was honestly so it sounds like i was stressing more than you probably shows just a difference (laughs) in personalities maybe i was sweating it out at the end there there were there were days when i'd get up and be like what the freak did i do like i spent so much money applying to these schools that accept like three or four people in their classes each year like am i crazy like what those were thankfully few and far between though so 
All right, let me let me highlight one other thing you said. You talked about commitment. Yeah. And you, yeah, so like you committed early on at least at the beginning of your college career to this this course of action. And I think that's such an important point that I've just now started to kind of appreciate on a a grander scale in my life is just committing and letting the law of compounding returns play out. Like I, I think time in the game is such a big, big deal. And and I do feel like I there have been moments in my life and I've seen this happen with other people where um things don't immediately work the way you want them to. You're not immediately good at something, which probably means you don't immediately enjoy it. And so you you do what you think is a, a legitimate course correction. And I sometimes wonder if uh, it's more important to to stay the course. I mean, just in my own experience, I, I honestly chose a major that I, I don't know that I was necessarily good at or had tremendous aptitude for in the beginning. Um, and I struggled and didn't really enjoy things for probably years, but I, I quite enjoy, you know, that vocation now. Um, for the, for the context, uh, computer science. She's very good at computer science now. But yeah, we, when we started, we were in the introductory CS course together and both of us, I think, uh, didn't really know what we were doing. Yeah, it was a struggle. Um, but yeah, I think the, the principle kind of of the law of compounding returns is very applicable in these life decisions, career decisions, things kind of picking something, committing, like you said, James, staying the course, letting it play out, stacking kind of day by day, you know, just little building blocks, bricks, I guess. Um, they can really become something if you let them stack one on top of another and, and compound like that. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Um. Well, I think we're a little over time, <laughs> uh, but I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. I think I've learned a lot about Grant. I really appreciate you sharing your, uh, your little adventure. And that was fun. And, and Drew, I honestly didn't know that you didn't love CS at first. Um, I always thought you just loved it because you were always the smarter CS guy. And I was like, man, this dude's like so freaking. Uh, J James ass. is being humble here. Let me just jump in. He, no, he remember, the, remember the Plinko lab? Yeah, the Plinko lab, you were the one who fixed the bug. Just I, distinct, I distinctly remember that you fixed the bug. That's funny. That's kind of funny if we both distinctly remember the other person catching the bug. Maybe there yeah, were two was, bugs. Maybe there were two bugs, you. yeah. Uh, no, there were probably 12, and probably some <laughs> of them were still in there by the time we submitted that thing. <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, but... um. Yeah, that's that's kind of the point of this podcast, isn't it? To learn from each other and to uh, figure out some things we never knew about. I mean, you guys are some of the people I've known longest in my life just because I've moved around a lot. Um, but also just to learn about uh, about different fields. And uh, I don't know. Grant, I'm excited to see where you end up. I'm really excited to see you. Uh, <laughs>
what we get done in the future. Totally. So yeah, be realistic, but don't let your dreams be dreams. Um, <laughs> and commit. don't feel like you need to have everything figured out. But definitely yeah, pivot when necessary. Commit. Pivot when necessary. Yeah, man. All right. Well, I miss and I love you guys. All right. Same here. Bye, guys. See ya.